Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, I am starting up a petition to rename Hinkle Fieldhouse to Hinkle Hell House or Hinkle House of Horrors, whatever you want to call it, because Sunday was just another great addition, or I shouldn't say great addition, but it was an unpleasant addition to Villanova's recent trips and recent memories at that quote-unquote historic venue. <laughs> Well, Eugene, that was uh, that was that was some type of performance. No matter what you call the arena that they played in, that was just pitiful, disgraceful, disgusting, just uncompetitive. Outside of like the first five seven minutes, where it was, you know, it looked like they were probably going to be in a dogfight, but it was like, you know what, it's hard. You know, they'll probably come out on the other head, uh, other end, victorious. But no, they. That was just awful. The shooting was awful. The defense was awful. There was just nothing going right. And it was all, it was all them. Game plan was awful. I'm at a loss for words because I, it's February 28th. This game happened. This shouldn't be happening. This should not be happening this late in the season. Should not. Now, we've seen a lot of tough losses. But, yeah, I think calling this one unacceptable wouldn't be a stretch. Butler was down two key guys. They didn't have Aaron Thompson, who's one of the conference's best defenders, especially at the perimeter. And then they also didn't have Christian David, a key wing forward, whatever you want to call him. So they were down two guys. They had one guy coming in off of a calf injury. He was playing not 100% in Bo Hodges. And despite all that, despite Nova being the huge favorites, they got toppled at Hinkle Fieldhouse, and it's their fourth loss over the last five trips that they've been there. Hasn't been too great. Jay is now 4-4 four and four overall at Hinkle Fieldhouse, but recently the Bulldogs have had the Cats numbers. This one felt a little bit different, Chris. We've seen letdown performances where it just seemed like Butler just upgraded a superhuman status. Like I remember the 2018 team, they dropped 100 on those Cats, which was insane right. to think of in hindsight. Right. But mm-hmm. this one was just a new low, considering they were down two guys. wasn't a complete lineup. And like you said, Chris, it was close in the beginning, and it was a dogfight, which was similar to last time. Unfortunately, things went south super quick. One little run by Butler, where after it was, what, like 2020 or something? 2020. 2020. Perfect. Like a 9-0 run, 10-0 run, whatever the heck it was. And then Villanova completely abandoned their game. Completely abandoned it, offensively anyway. 
they were working inside. They had to start the game. They had that nice back down from Colin to the feed to more on the cut, which has been a great play that's been working for a, a lot. It's, it's worked a lot. It worked twice in this game specifically. You had Colin backing down the, uh, the forwards, and that was kind of working. And they just fell behind after, after that. After it was 2020, they're like, oh, do you know what time to shoot every three possible? And, you know, it, they shot two of 27 for three. We'll get that out of the way. 7.4%. Worst shooting percentage. Worst shooting game in a J, for a J. Wright team ever. The shot selection was poor. Like, a lot of them were contested. And the ones that were open, barely stepping inside the line. Sometimes for a long two. Justin Moore has been a repeat offender of that. Caleb Daniels was doing it. I think Jermaine even did it once or twice. And then when they did take an open three, it was just a flat out brick. It was just short. All the shots were short. They all looked off. And it was just like, okay, let's just shoot them up, sleep in the streets. And you know what? That's, that's the model of this team. We have to accept that ride or die. But at the same time, can you make a freaking adjustment and try and go inside? And guess what? They did do that. They did do that in the second half and they got it to within five. I remember Caleb Daniels backed down a couple guys and got inside for a couple of layups. Jerry had some nice post moves later in the game and that worked. But then they just they fell down five. They turned the they got a stop, turned the ball over immediately after that, and that was it. Then the game was over. Butler went on another run, and then they just decided to hack up threes again. The shot selection was piss poor, and the uh, just the defense too. I mean, my God, how many switches did they blow this uh, this game, Eugene? Yeah, between the switches and not covering screens properly or not giving the help letting Bryce Golden walk up to the rim in the second half and score all 13 of his points just was pretty frustrating. And not to mention, you know, there were times where it seemed like Villanova got its stuff together, especially in the second half, and they were making those a little bit of runs, cutting it to within five, within seven, within six, and then things would just break down. They, they would. And this the turnover, turnover I was thinking of specifically after they made it five, they got a rebound in JRE threw it to someone on Butler, and then Slater went for the loose ball and then knocked it out of bounds, and then Butler went on a mini run. And I know that camera angle made it look a lot worse than what it was. Eugene, I think that's what you told me, that Jerry was actually falling out of bounds on that. So I kind of give him a pass on that. But still, it's like every, every time, it's like one step forward, ten steps back. Every, every single time. How many times are you going to shoot yourself in the foot? And then they cut it to seven, and then they took a horrific three, and then Butler went down, and then they uh, went on another run. It was just yeah. horrible. And then defensively, too, not, not only on the switches were bad. How about the, the interior defense was just atrocious, too? And I know it's not his main job, but Cole Swider was put on an island at least like three or four times, and he got bullied inside. Enzi had a field day, and Golden had a field day on him. Yeah, the defense was frustrating. It's so annoying, Chris, because yeah. we talked about this, and it's like just when you think this team is turning the corner or there's – taking a big jump or oh they fixed everything back-to-back great defensive performances against UConn and St. John's two teams that I would probably argue are better than Butler overall Mm -hmm. despite that boom here we are again back to square one two steps forward two steps back and here we are again it's like they revert back to their old crap like why can't I just don't understand why that everything looked so good for two games and then it and just goes away completely. Like, even Brandon Slater was horrific defensively today. He was getting beat a lot off the dribble. I mean, Butler shot pretty well from three. I mean, you've got to give him credit on that. 
but a lot of them were like open shots. Like Chuck Harris was just pulling up and hitting everything. Like God gives him props too. Like freshman to do that, shooting four of nine from three, dropping twenty. It was like Kamar Baldwin just you know was reincarnated for for one game, and it worked out well. Jair Bolden hit some big time threes, and some of them were for were just like absolute killers. Like there was that one where he hit from the top that was like a straightaway deep bomb three. And Villanova was, I think they had just cut it to eight or something. And then he hit it. And I was just like, oh, come on. And it was just so many dagger threes that they allowed to. And like some of them I get, like you can't do anything about it, but like make them feel uncomfortable, something. No, they were getting bullied. Yeah, just a tough one. 73 to 61, your final score. Four different Bulldogs in double figures, as you mentioned, led by freshman Chuck Harris. Credit to him. Freshman guard, 20 points, four of nine from deep. Jared Bolden chipped in 15 points, was three of five from deep. Bryce Golden and Bryce Enzi turned it on inside with Golden chipping in 13, Enzi with 12. And then on the Villanova side, four different cats in double figures. But despite that, it just seemed like I was a little surprised to see that four different cats ended up in double figures with JRE leading the way with a 16-16 double-double. Colin Gillespie had... A nice start to the game, but then disappeared afterwards. Went a little quiet mm-hmm. on the scoring end. He finished with only 14 points after scoring 10 in the first half. And then you had Caleb Daniels and Justin Moore chipping in with 10 points apiece. Let's hear from Jay Wright, and let's get his thoughts on this loss and this game, and let's see what he's thinking. Obviously, disappointing game for us, um, but I think most of the credit goes to Butler. Um, this is the second time I'll say this to you guys. It was actually fun playing in, the, in that atmosphere wasn't fun watching how we were playing, but the, the atmosphere was great. Um, even with limited fans, they were outstanding. Their guards, uh, their guards just dominated the game. And, and uh, you know, I know that, um, you know, Goldman Enzi did a good job, but a lot of it came from their guards and the attention we had to give to them. And, you know, specifically uh, Bolden and Harris. And, you know, we just, we just couldn't control them. So uh, I think the credit goes to them, I thought the guards did a great job defensively. Again, teams that get up in us and are physical, you know, that, that's, that's bothered us. And they were, they were really in us, very physical, and, um, you know, it, it affected us. Credit goes to their defense. You know, they, they just played us one-on-one. You know, they just said, go ahead, try to beat us one-on-one, and uh, we're not going to help. And, um, and, you know, we, none of us were, you know, really aggressive or physical enough to, to beat them one-on-one or to force help. And that's why I give their physicalness a, a lot of credit. All right, Chris, I hate to say it. And, you know, I appreciate Jay being a little more candid because I feel like he usually doesn't tip off too much, but at this point, or sorry, at this point on Sunday, February 28th, we're now in March. We're now a couple of days into March. You have a veteran team. You're playing against a very young team. Their best player is a freshman guard who wasn't that big of a factor the first time you faced them. And Jay's talking about how the opposing team was more physical, more aggressive, and we just couldn't step up to the plate to counter that. At this point, March 2nd, 2021, I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. I, that does not, I, don't, I don't feel so good now going into next week. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I do not feel confident whatsoever after hearing that. Mm-mm. No. 
and I appreciate the honest evaluation. And I, you know, I know everybody yeah. who is watching that game on Sunday, us included. I mean, you didn't have to be a diehard Villanova fan or one who's too deep in the analytics to tell that there is a serious problem here. And for the senior laden team to be bullied around by a younger team with two key players out, get and run off the, I shouldn't say run off the court, but playing from behind, I'm a little concerned about this team's defense and I'm a little concerned about this team's ability to rally from behind. Yeah. And I, I brought that up a couple episodes ago. I think it was after the St. John's game that, they just actually no, it may have been the great one. Either way, that they just they fall behind, and then that's like that's it. Like they'll sometimes make some headway, but then they just they shoot themselves in the foot every single time. Whether it's a bad turnover, whether it's a bad shot, then they'll just allow. Then they'll just capitulate on the defensive end. It's it's awful. And look, like next week, like you said, like you got Crate coming up, but like they can go and be Crate, but that doesn't mean that all the problems are just magically fixed. We fall for this trap every week. <laughs> we really do. Or at least I do anyway. It's like you suffer a couple of bad losses in February. All right, whatever. It happens. Then you win a couple games in a row. And it's like, all right, something, some of these things may be fixed. But then you and then you go out and lose to a Butler team, Butler S team, and then you go and beat a Creighton S team, and it's like, oh, everything's fixed. And then you get to March, you're like, oh, wait, never mind. It's not. So like I'm not ready to like give a free pass if they like go out there next week and beat Creighton. Because if that's how Jay feels, like God, God knows, like how it, it actually. If he's if that's what he's telling the media, I should say, God knows what he's actually. <laughs> you you already know there were chairs thrown around. They just lost to a below five hundred team, missing the two key guys. Maybe he wasn't throwing around the chairs, but uh, you know, it's like he made it look nice in his. Well, he wasn't even wearing a suit, I could say. <laughs> yeah. But it's Jay. He probably did in a charismatic way, but yeah, just a little concerning that the team came out not as aggressive as you would have liked didn't really try to go to the free throw line and i saw some people on twitter they were clamoring about the refs or ref this ref that it's like i'm sorry but if you're just gonna settle for jumpers you're not gonna get too many fouls that way yeah not not to mention that the worst call of the game was in favor of villanova with caleb daniels who was notorious for committing (laughs) offensive fouls shoved the player with his shoulder and the guy went flying and there was a debate about whether it was a, fa- a, a flop or not. I don't care. <laughs> Caleb it, Daniels, yeah. like the ref should know that Caleb Daniels is a big offender of that. And we saw Villanova get a technical foul free throw out of it. I have never seen that happen before. I've always seen the warning. I've never seen it actually in that. Uh, yeah. Actually elevate to, yeah. Elevate to the free throw. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that before either. The other thing too is, it's like, okay, there was contact. I don't think the guy just fell over, you know, for no reason or tried to flop. There was definitely some sort of foul there, a block or a charge, but mm-hmm. it definitely wasn't a flop. If that's a flop, no. I've seen more egregious Oscar nominee-worthy acts <laughs> that haven't gotten called for a flop. <laughs> and I can name a few from a certain team in New Jersey, especially mm-hmm. during years 2014 to 2017. <laughs> <laughs> we know exactly what not just the team certain player <laughs> uh you're right eugene it's that, like people ca- crying foul on the fact that villanova wasn't getting the foul calls i mean are you kidding me i didn't even for half the game or not even half the game i'd say about 75 percent of the game i didn't even think there was an opportunity for the refs to be bad like villanova wasn't generating anything inside 
I mean, come on. And then, and, and, and on top of that, the only reason why Villanova didn't get completely run off the floor was because Butler was missing free throws at a good rate too. They only shot nine of 20. And I know a, lot, a couple of those came in, in garbage time when Villanova was trying to get back into it. Yeah. I give credit for Jay to kind of draw and stretch the game out. And I believe Steve Lapis or someone, someone on the broadcast team mentioned how Jay's like one of the best coaches at doing that. And he definitely did it. And they definitely did it. Maybe they did a little bit of a hack a dog, but at the same time, it just, Villanova couldn't hit those threes and we were sleeping in the streets, unfortunately on Sunday. However, I don't know what was worse, the, the defensive performance or the lack of shooting. I don't know. They were both pretty right. bad in my opinion. Yeah, it was, they were both awful. The offensive side, there was no creativity. It was your typical, just pull up from three and hope it goes in type thing. And I get it. I just said it before. This is how, that's the team's mantra, but I mean, when the inside was working for a good, good chunk of the game and then you just completely abandon it I, I don't know yeah i credit jre i thought he had a pretty good game he bailed nova out a few times with some tip ins he grabbed seven offensive rebounds he was trying to keep possessions alive unfortunately just nothing just not he had enough no, he had no help on the offensive end jermaine samuels was a complete lost cause yeah he had a rough game unfortunately awful and the he bench, had a couple of i, I would have loved to see more bench guys but we didn't have bench guys like I would have loved to have seen Antoine out there getting some run. I really cool. and maybe the interior defense doesn't exactly get better, but like Eric Dixon, like is he completely gone now? Is he just out of the rotation now? At it, he's done for the season. Great question. Great question. I mean, if you're not if you're not going to trust him to put him in a, a double digit losing game to Butler, I mean, is he ever going to play? That's it. All this big off-season hype talk about how much he's improved and Shaq fit and all this stuff. and that's it. I don't, I don't know if it's his fault. I think it's more Jay wants his strict, tight, eight. Oh, I know. I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming him. I am not blaming him. Oh, yeah. no. no, I'm not blaming him. I, I'm just like, I don't get it. We just praised this coaching staff for utilizing their bench to the uh, fullest potential against St. John's and then against Butler. It's like, Okay, we'll just have Cole Swider leave him on the island and have him get bullied inside for about eight to ten points allowed. Have Brandon Slater let three guys blow right by him. Like, okay, are we gonna are we gonna try and do something to either help him or just to you know mit, switch it up? It's just I, I don't know what to make of it now. I don't. I I think the, I think after today's loss, the one seat's completely out the window. I, I know people. Were, I know people were still trying to. For you know, there was a moment where it looked like they might back into it just because of all the losses in front of them this week. But now, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, now it's I don't think so. Oh yeah, if they had beaten Butler today, I would have been on here saying you know Alabama lost and uh, Oklahoma lost and Ohio State lost again. You know they might. Yeah, you're right. They might have backed into it. They really might have. And even Baylor lost. I know they won't jump Baylor, but no matter what happens the rest of the year, all these teams ahead of them are losing. I'm kind of upset because now it's like. If teams, you know, physical teams are giving this team fits, as Jay says, right? Oh man, who knows what's going to happen when we go into March? God only knows, man. I keep bringing them up, but like, if somehow, some way, like Villanova gets out of the first weekend, imagine Iowa against this team. Luca Garza <laughs> might might have fifty points. Yeah, Chris, Chris just looks up Luca Garza mixtapes, and it's just nightmare fuel. It does. Puts on scary music just to set the mood. That's All I gotta say is. When when NCAA tournament time comes and if Villanova has a pick, they better not pick Hinkle Fieldhouse, I swear. But, you know, they'll do it for the tradition and familiarity and all that. 
Can't wait. No. Can't no. wait. I'm sure Kamar Baldwin will have a front row seat. <laughs> Just to instill the fear. They'll it'll they'll hire whoever they're playing will hire him to show up and watch. It's this is just bad, dude. Very bad. It was rough. There's really no way to sugarcoat this. This was a below 500 team down two players, younger team. You really hope that the veteran presence would help hold. And no one was rumbling with them in the beginning. Unfortunately, when Butler went on that game changing 11 0 run and Villanova was just playing catch up from behind, and whenever Villanova was on their way back in. Butler had the answers, and then that one stretch where Chuck Harris and Jared Bolden hit back-to-back threes with, like, three minutes remaining. All the oxygen just left my body, and I said, okay, this is going to happen today. I I legitimately laughed out loud after they hit back-to-back threes. Like, the Bolden one was just so ridiculous. Like that. Oh, yeah. He just just threw it up. Yeah. Deep. Pretty deep, too. He was pretty – a few feet behind the line. Off balance. (laughs) Early in the shot clock. There's no need for it, and he hit it. I rage quit after that. I turned the game off. Oh, no. oh, oh man, you turned it off. Oh no. I, I mean, I turned it turned it off and then turned it back on. But like <laughs> I said, I said I'm done. I know we're always saying to stay calm, but after this, how do you how do you stay calm? All I gotta say is, you know, I think a couple of days helped. A couple of days off to digest, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty bad loss. It's a pretty bad loss, especially in the fashion that it happened. Also, considering where we are in the season, if this was December, January. Or earlier February, even. Yeah, that's yeah. If this is February first, I don't think we're freaking out as much. But yeah, and also for Jay's Jay's comments, you know, I appreciate the honest reflection, the honest, you know, insight. But defensive woes, physical mm-hmm. teams. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! And it doesn't get easier from here because now Nova's got a pretty big one tomorrow night. It's Senior Night at the Pavilion, going up against the Creighton Blue Jays. It was going to be a battle between two biggies heavyweights, but they both took two big punches to the chin. They're going to look to bounce back from it. It looks like both teams got caught up in their trap game situations. With Creighton taking a loss to Xavier over the weekend, and Nova taking a loss to Butler on Sunday. So now both teams are going to look to bounce back. And with the way it's looking, this is looking like a de facto regular season championship game. Granted, they both have one more game after Wednesday, after tomorrow night. That can also have some implications, but I would like to think that both teams will win that one. So this matchup tomorrow will actually be the decisive one for the number one seed for the regular season title, because this year it's decided by one percentage and not the typical traditional standings. So this is a pretty, pretty, pretty important one tomorrow, not to mention that it's senior night as well. Yeah. You got to go out there and win this. If you're Colin or Jermaine, like how do you, I do not. And look, they could come back. So like the senior night's kind of a little awkward in that regard, but I, I doubt it. You got to be on your game. Got to be completely on your game. And if you go out there and lay a dud on your senior night, that is, that is such a bad look. Remember a couple of years ago during the uh, big game, Jermaine debut against Marquette. Wasn't that senior night or am I Ooh. hallucinating? I don't remember. Uh, that seems a little early in the season, but then again, it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> the way they do senior night sometimes. Yeah, was yeah, wasn't that in January? Oh no, yeah, then yeah, I think it was January. Yeah, because yeah. it's the last uh pavilion game. And then sometimes yeah. they have the Wells Fargo games after. Right. Yeah, I don't think it was. Okay. Well it was so a big you, night. It was a big it, night. <laughs> right. Either way, like you you gotta step up. You gotta step up when this game. I guess I I know I just said before, like none of the problems get completely erased, but 
you can at least bolster the resume. You can win the Big East title, regular season title. And like when you look back on it in like a couple months from now, you'd be like, all right, yeah, you know what? They won a couple of things. But if you if you go out there and lose to Creighton at home and put up a performance similar to what you did against Creighton last time, you're looking at like three, four seed range. And honestly, I would be terrified about whoever plays Villanova. I, I don't even know if they get out of the first round at that point. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm terrified. Terrified. Yeah, I know that uh, a lot of the mood has certainly changed after Sunday's loss. And it's very tough because this team feels like it has the largest difference out of all the teams out there between the floor and the ceiling. It's just such a big gap. The ceiling's final four, obviously. Yeah, the ceiling is high. And we've seen what this team looks like when they're firing on all cylinders or locking down on D while taking care of business on offense or scoring. But if when you have performances like Sunday, like, on the road at St. John's, it <laughs> a little concerning, a little concerning. Right, it is. Like you said, the physicality. Like St. John's was physical and very annoying, but like in a, and I mean that in a good way, complimentary way for them. And I said after that game that they laid the blueprint. Seems to be working. Just be physical. So no team has swept Villanova since 2017, and of course it was Butler, but now. Creighton has a chance to do that tomorrow night. We've seen what this team looks like when they lose to a team early and then they kind of bounce back. So they had an ugly one against St. John's bounce back with a great one back at home. I'm hoping for a similar one this time around. We know what this Creighton team can bring. They're 17 and six overall 13 and five in Big East play second right now in the standings. The win percentage between them and Nova is just a few points behind, so, but this one on Wednesday would definitely, I'd say, put the title in whosever hands wins. Whoever wins will be in the driver's seat for the regular season and the one seed. Crane team, man, we know what their business is. Firing on all cylinders, fast tempo, lots of shooters. Marcus Zegarowski, Mitch Balick, Denzel Mahoney, Christian Bishop, Damian Jefferson, Zegarowski is becoming like a point guard. And I know he questioned, oh, wow, I didn't realize he got switched from the wing to the point guard, but he just had a nice double-double performance in the loss against Xavier. He'll definitely be cooking against Villanova again. And Mitch Ballack was a huge problem in the second half last time out. What else should we watch out for, Chris, against this Crane team? What else should we take into account? Oh, Christian Bishop was a big, big problem for Villanova last time out. And despite his woes against Xavier this past weekend, uh, I don't expect him to replicate that performance. I expect performance closer than when he did against Villanova. He presented a lot of problems inside. And Damian Jefferson, coming off a big game, kind of kept Creighton in it for, for most of the game. He's uh, he's a big problem inside as well and can score. So between those two guys, and then like you said, Balak and Zagorowski outside. And then our favorite guy, Denzel Mahoney, who also kind of had a low game against Xavier. But And I know I, I mentioned the Xavier game a lot, but because I just happened to – it was on – Happened to watch it, wanted to get a little bit of a scouting report for next week's big game, completely ignoring the fact that Villanova had a game on Sunday. Yeah, this is uh, – they they can score. They can play decent defense, better than what they have in the past. We saw what they did last time. If they are anything close to what the performance that they had at Creighton, this is going to be a, a long game, very long game. And I expect Balak to hit a couple of threes, a couple of long threes, so they better have the three-point line locked down, kind of similar similar to what they did against St. John's. 
hopefully Christian Bishop and Damian Jefferson don't eat them up the side and <laughs> Marcus Zagorowski has an off game. They have so many weapons. It's just crazy. It's crazy. There's just everything presents a problem. But Creighton is a very good team. So it's, I'm not just saying that, like, oh, Villanova has deficiencies and therefore Creighton can exploit them. Creighton could exploit them if Villanova didn't. So I, I feel like this, they're just a bad matchup just to begin with. Yeah, it's tough. We saw Creighton shoot very well from the perimeter, particularly Balak, who lit it up in the second half. And not just that, Villanova had a hard time defending screens, much like they did against Butler on Sunday. This time around, Chris, what is your prediction? What do you think will be the key to swing it to Villanova's favor this time around? Well, the key would be to play better defense. But like I say, every time I say that, it's a lot easier said than done. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do so in such a limited time. I, I mean, look, I guess that playing them so close to the last time they played them helps because I know they were saying after the game that the fact, Oh, you know, that, you know, Butler was a completely different team and whatnot. So maybe that probably affected the game plan a little bit. I mean, or at least what they expected anyway, because obviously Butler was severely improved over the last time they played them, but they just played great in a couple of weeks ago. So you got to expect more of the same. So hopefully you're able to game plan for that. Uh, similar to like how St. We were saying about St. John's, how they were just completely caught off guard, but then it was quite a, kind of a quick turnaround against playing St. John's at home last week, and they did a great job. So hopefully the defense shores up a little bit, and hopefully they just have a semi-bad shooting lane, and that's, that's how Villanova's going to win it. All right, Chris, you want to focus on D. I want to focus on our two leading guys, Colin Gillespie and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Both guys had a tough time at the office in Omaha. They combined for – Three of 25 shoot. Oh, sorry. Six of 25. They combined for six of 25 shooting. And when your two best players are only shooting that much or that low, you're not going to do pretty well. I'm hoping for better showings this time around, especially for Robinson Earl. I thought because of the size advantage that he had over Christian Bishop, he'd be able to kind of exploit that matchup or win that matchup. Fortunately, he got beat out by Bishop the last time around. And Gillespie had a, a tough one against the Blue Jays. I'm hoping that they can both bounce back and respond with better showings this time around. I did like what I saw from Jerry against Butler. I'm hoping Gillespie can bounce back against the Blue Jays in the same way that he bounced back against St. John's with a much better showing. And I'm hoping that those two guys can help set the tone early. Obviously, I want the defense to be better, but I'm going to focus on those two specifically. I should have just stuck with my gut instinct. And not change things around when I said I think Villanova will win the first two, then lose at Hinkle Fieldhouse, but then win against Creighton. So I'm just going to go back to my original answer and say that Villanova will win at Creighton. So I've been going back and forth on this. I don't blame <laughs> you. I don't blame you. I mean, everything I have said in this past however many minutes we've been on would lead you to believe that I would think Villanova is going to lose. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's just something telling me that's like, oh, yeah, you know, after a loss, you know, senior night, pavilion, all this type of stuff that they're going to go out there and win and then they're going to shut us up. We've seen it done before. I, don't, I know this team is a lot different than those teams that have done it before. Just, I just, I just want to see them win against a team that we all despise and can wrap, theoretically wrap up the Big East regular season title. And hopefully we can move on from that. So I guess my official prediction is the one that I think I said last week. 
And I think uh, I think Villanova beats Creighton. I think they do. I think they'll fix the mistakes that they were, you know, were exploited against them last time against Creighton. And I think they'll be able to right the ship. We'll have to tune in and find out. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Tip-off is scheduled for tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It'll be on Fox Sports 1. A little late tip-off again. Midweek, Wednesday night. Villanova Creighton, the two biggies heavyweights, going at it again. Hopefully we'll see a reversal this time around and the Cats coming out on top, but we'll have to just have to see. We'll just have to see. Before we move on to questions, it wasn't all bad news over the weekend, though. I just want to give a huge quick shout-out to women's basketball sophomore Maddie Segrist. She's also from my area. Shout-out Section 1. But she became the 30th player in program history to score 1,000 points and just the third ever in Villanova history to reach that milestone in just two years. And she was also the fastest ever Villanova women's basketball player to do that and hit the 1,000-point mark. Maddie Buckets. If you haven't been watching any of these games, she's been lighting it up night in, night out, always getting Big East Player of the Week honors, this and that. She's electric, and it was nice to see her get that milestone. I can't believe she did it that fast. But then again, she's a walking bucket, so can't be too surprised. But big congrats to her and providing some nice positive news. All right, well, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag, and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have for us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNPod or leave a comment in the comment section. I'll find its way to us. Chris, we got a few questions here. Are you ready? Let's do it. First one is from Peter Chi. What do you think of this homework question? On Sunday, February 28, 2021, the Villanova men's basketball team played at Butler. Prior to the start of this game, the Villanova team's three-point shooting percentage was approximately 37.68%. They then shot two for 27 in the game. That is, they took 27 three-point attempts and made only two of them en route to their 73-61 to loss to Butler. And there's a few, you know, it's like those classic math questions. Peter has had some great math questions, all Villanova-related. This one is kind of... It's a little tough because I think this is the first one that has to do with a loss or, or something <laughs> that didn't go right for Nova. I will say, though, I, I love it. It's funny because I look at some of these things and like, for example, part A, question A of this word problem is in order to use the binomial distribution to find the probability of this occurrence, what assumptions would you need to make? And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I remember dealing with binomials. The, uh, the name looks familiar to me, but... <laughs> Drawing a blank, and I just kind of think of when you're a kid, and you know these like, school facts, and then your parents can't remember it, and you kind of think, oh, how do you not know that? And now here I am, just a few years removed from college, wasn't that long ago when I stopped taking math, and just a blank, just a blank. <laughs> yeah, I, I always used to feel that way back in like fifth grade. It'd be like, you know, PEMDAS and all that stuff, I'd be like that. How do, you, how do you not remember this? It's parentheses first. It's like, oh, no, that was a long time ago. But we have now hit that point. <laughs> yeah, or like, remember awful. that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And the people would go on yes. there and they couldn't even beat the game or win. And I'm just kind of sitting there thinking, oh, how do you not know this second grade math question? Right. Now we understand. Now, now we understand. Now we understand. I'm looking at binomials. Can't remember. But as I'm looking at his math question, I will say... 
Question D, at a general level, what conclusions might you draw from these probabilities? I would say that uh, we were sleeping in the streets. We were sleeping in the streets. Oh, I just realized pub philosopher number one actually answered that. <laughs> he didn't answer the other questions. the same too. exact he, answer. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably, he'd probably in the same boat as us. He was probably sitting there thinking, man, binomials. I kind of remember that. Don't remember what that means. But... <laughs> Yeah, no, I would say the villain was sleeping in the streets, and uh, it was just a sad time. Sad time on Sunday. I do like the math questions, though. Oh, yeah, I love it. Peter usually gives us one or two good ones a year. Like this, that's uh, that's top-notch. But yeah, the, the conclusion I could draw, too, there was no adjustments made as well. So I think that's another thing you got to have to assume. If your coaching staff just doesn't make an adjustment at halftime, how, what are the odds this will happen? Well, pretty high, apparently. I will say, though, the probability of a shooting performance like this, the worst from three-point range under Jay Wright's 20-year tenure or however long many years it's been, probably unlikely to happen ever again just because this was by far the lowest of the low, and I don't think Villanova will hit this rock bottom ever again, or at least I hope not. You hope not, man. (laughs) You never know with this year, but... You got to hope that the worst is out of the way now. Hopefully the students can answer this question. I'm, I'm so caught up I'm, looking at binomial distribution, trying to figure out what that means. I, was just, I just don't remember. I, just I, don't remember. I, I didn't even bother Googling it because I don't want to go down a rabbit hole that I do not want to get myself out of. It would also be I'm, a painful trip down memory lane. Math, there was a time I was really good at math. And then when you got to the <laughs> APs and the calcs of the world, it was... <laughs> oh right. this is this is the big boy league now <laughs> fun times at uh in high school with those ap classes Oof. next set of questions are from john paul may his first one is why are we at the point or the part where Kong gillespie is backing down bigs in the low post well because apparently nothing else is working i will say that Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's, it's it been work. working more times than I think it should have, especially with Colin. Um, just because I, I, I don't know. It's not that he's a bad player, but it's just I just trust him less inside more than the other point guards that have been done it have done it in the past, aka Jalen Brunson. But yeah, I, I mean, you got to try something. It's been working a little bit. That backdoor pass cut to the middle, uh, cut through the middle of the post, has been on point. So I guess you can kind of build off of that, but I mean, gotta try it. <laughs> Nothing else works. Like a Jay Wright staple over the last decade or so, alongside the three-point shooting. But sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I would say the shots. So the post-ups where Kyle Gillespie makes it, I feel more skeptical. But then when I think like, oh, he's definitely got this bucket, it clanks out. So I don't even know. Yeah. his next question is the lack of consistency this season is alarming what is your guess on the odds that we are out in either the first or the second round oh man this has been a hot topic lately especially if you look at the comment section on the hoops a lot of people are starting to realize that final four it's a beautiful thing and yeah it's obtainable but also the first or the dreaded first weekend exit is also very attainable chris what is your guess on the odds that we're out by the second round, put a put a percent on it. It might be a cop out answer, but it's 50 50 at this point. 50 50. Well, right now, if you according to CBS Sports, we have dropped down a seed line, so we're now at number three. Three, yeah. Uh, yeah, hope I, I can 
possibly see an American type esque game where the 14 seed gives them trouble, and then the second round is where the problems come out. Where it, it comes into play, yeah. I I fully believe they'll win their first round matchup, regardless of who they play. Though I'm I'm kind of half joking when I say that stuff. I, I think they'll be fine in the first round, but the second round concerns me so much because as we've been saying all along, like most of the teams in in the country this year seem to be just a little lower end than usual. And once you start getting into the second, second round, sweet 16, that's when you start to really see the, the good teams. So, so yeah, that's, that's, what's concerning me. See, what I'm concerned about is I feel like the, the range is just so wide because this team really heavily depends on matchups. They get someone they can handle. We can see them easily make it to the second weekend. However, it's when you get the more athletic team or like a, a more front court heavy team in that second round matchup is where I start to get a little bit worried. Right. Just a tad bit. Right. And you know the committee's going to mess with it somehow. They'll be like, oh, Villanova hasn't handled the big guys all year. Here you go. Just take whatever, whoever the biggest team is possible <laughs> in the first round. And then, and then in the second round, they'll give you like two matchup nightmares watch or they'll give you one team that Villanova will match up well against against another team they wouldn't match up well against and then the team that they wouldn't match up well against wins and then you get like a whole Wisconsin situation or you get the Purdue situation where the leading guy shoots below 30% all season long (laughs) and then decides to go on the run of his life and get drafted afterwards dropping 42 in the process which was also miserable that was that was but that was again, a 3-6 game, too. It was. But Villanova was the sixth in that, so it wasn't. the expectations were much, much, much lower. Best case scenario, the odds are probably at 15% that they don't lose, and then depending on who it is, we could be looking at a two-thirds chance that they get knocked out. I'm really hoping, though, that if anything, just don't lose in the first round. Can't, can't have that. Can't have that. Right, right. Can't but have on the that. bright side, you know if Villanova makes it past around a 32, they're going to go all the way. Right. At least that's what happened the last couple that's, of times. That's what usually happens. <laughs> they just need to get over that one big hurdle. The, the, the round of 32 games, the real national championship game. <laughs> I guess so. Next one from John Paul May. Who do we have to beg to not put us in Hinkle during the NCAA tournament? It's funny because uh, we asked Jay about it day before. This was right before the Butler game. Let's hear what he has to say. That would be pretty cool. I don't, and, and I think we do like playing there. As I said, we don't like the opponent, but we like playing there. Um, kind of, remi- it reminds me of the palestra, you know. Um, but I wonder if they would let us play there, you know, knowing that we've played conference games there. I don't know. I, I don't know if we'd be allowed to play there, but it would be pretty cool. Chris, something tells me that he probably feels differently about that now. He probably would not want to play at Hinkle Fieldhouse for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's just a house of horrors at this point. There's no reason to be playing there. None, zero. I don't know who you have to pay off, who you have to pay under the table. I, I, I don't know what bag, how many bags of money it's going to take in like, like a suitcase. I don't know what you got to do, but just do it. Play in like the the Indiana home arena. I can't think of the name of right now. Wow. Assembly, assembly Hall. Hall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Assembly Hall. Just play there, please. Or Somewhere. Bankers Life. Not the football stadium. That, that'll be – everybody knows sidelines at football stadiums are no, 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 no. Yeah, but they always play well in football stadiums, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. 2-0 and in the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very actually. small Sorry. sample size. Yeah, 4-0 for getting technical. Wait, really? Was the album, though? 
they were football? I guess it was. I think yeah, it, was it was for something. Yeah. It was. Um, so, yeah. I, I play in the football stadium, playing assembly hall. Just do not. Do not play <laughs> ankle. Now, who do we have to beg to? I don't know, man. We should start a letter writing campaign. We just send strongly worded emails to Father Peter to petition on our behalf, Val Ackerman, Dana O'Neill, ESPN, Fox Sports One, Gus Johnson, Bill Raftery. Have another week <laughs> on uh, tournament day, and they're going to be like, oh, we're going to have to move all the games now. <laughs> or maybe even Butler could like do a favor for the Big East and just be like, you know, we don't want – they can you know, make it fake and be like, yeah, we don't want Villanova playing in Hinkle. You know, it'd be a familiar court for them. It'd be like almost an advantage. They should go play somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, and do do the bidding on behalf of no. That'd be that'd be nice. Help the conference out, please. It would be, it would be because you already know. You know, Nova's shoulders, backs, a little, a little tired, a little tired over, over these last seven years. Somehow, <laughs> somewhere, maybe might not be. You know, Creighton going all the way or something. But I'll, I'll take uh, Butler doing our bidding for us. <laughs> Last set of questions are from Jerry Quinn. First one is, are we going to win out our remaining games? Uh, unfortunately, I think Nova will go one and one for the last two. I'm not 100% on the order yet, but I do think Nova does rebound against Creighton. However, Jay Wright also struggles at the dunk. And that first half of that Providence game was a tough one for Nova. And then we had the sun delay. And then everything was fine after that. However, Villanova Providence always a tough one. Always a tough place to play on the road also. I would like to think that Nova doesn't lose that one, but unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to go with my original prediction from a couple weeks ago where I said Nova won three of its last five games, including losses at Butler and Providence, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. I think you're right, Eugene. It's funny, though, because I just picked Villanova to beat Creighton, and if you ask me next week, I'm probably going to take Villanova to beat Providence. But let's, I, don't, I don't see them winning both, though. I, I really it's don't. It's tough because they could literally go out tomorrow night, have some crazy performance, and then we'll feel so great going and into Providence, yeah. and then it'll be like all the bad habits came back. Right. Yeah, the huge letdown in the follow-up. It's very possible. Riding I, high I, after UConn and St. John's wins, and then mm-hmm. everything got knocked out. Right. Would you take a split? If it meant the win is over Creighton? Oh, yeah. No, we definitely – I would definitely say the a win, a quad one win over Creighton would be big. Yeah. Yeah, I would take the split if it, mean, if it means we get that quad one win. All right, because I happen to agree. I didn't know if I was going crazy there or not. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Good to know I'm in the same boat. Yeah, if, if they had to lose that game, but it meant they won that one, then yeah. Yeah, I would take the quad one win. Because right now it's looking like what? Just Texas? <laughs> I guess Arizona so. State is looking a little wishy-washy. With so. oh, they're bad. Yeah, they're not that good anymore. Oh, but that oh. kind of goes into the second question for Jerry. What has been the most frustrating aspects of watching Nova this year? Is it consistency, defense, or silly turnovers? I would have to go with the consistency. This is just you would like to think at this point of the season everything would kind of be ironed out or head towards that direction, but it's. Three steps forward, two steps back, one step forward, three steps back. Just that that to me is the most frustrating part. Just when you think you have this team figured out or just when you think that this team has gotten you all comfortable or thinking that, oh, they finally turned that corner or they're going to finally hit their threes or, oh, they improved defensively. This is awesome. 
something bad happens. I'd like to think, or I'm hoping, that this Butler loss was finally the last of those setbacks. However, the consistency this year, especially after the COVID break, has been a little suspect. Out of the options Jerry listed, that's definitely the one for me, and I agree with all the points you kind of just listed out, Eugene. And I don't, But the thing for me, though, and I don't know if – I guess this kind of fall, uh, falls under the consistency umbrella, but it's the fact that we really haven't seen anybody take that major leap that we're used to seeing like from pretty much every team that's existed <laughs> since we went to – since we started going to college, Eugene, you know, maybe Brandon Slater, maybe a little bit falls into that category, but like, look at all the teams of the past. Like remember McHale's big leap, Eric Pascal's big leap, Arch's big leap, chef's big leap, Josh Hart's big leap. Like, it seems like all these guys, like all these teams just had one or two guys that would just take off significantly or Darren Hilliard want to go even a little bit further back, just these significant leaps, that these guys that you would like always get hyped on like preseason or whatnot, and they would perform extremely well and be in the conversation for whatever at the top of their position and be up for those awards and all that stuff. And this, this year you just haven't gotten it. I thought it was going to be a combination of Jermaine and Colin and they've kind of plateaued. They're still good players, but they're not taking that next leap that we're used to seeing. JRE has been pretty fine, but I don't think he's hit that next gear that we all kind of expected him to. And I know he's only a sophomore, but it's kind of plateaued. Justin Moore's plateaued. So yeah, and I and I'd say Slater's the only one that's really shown any signs of significant improvement. But that to the consistency issue, it's hit or miss with him sometimes. Do Colin and JRE count because they are in the top five for their respective position awards between the Bob Cousy Award and the Carl Malone Award? No, I know, I know, but it just doesn't. It doesn't feel like they've taken a major leap from where they were last year. Is what I'm trying to say. It it just doesn't it just doesn't feel like it whatsoever. There's I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that they it just seems more of the same. And I think we needed someone to step up and like really take over and take that hit that next gear that we're so used to seeing. And I just don't think we see. One thing I can rule out though is it's definitely the silly turnovers. I think for the most part, Villanova has done a great job of taking care of the ball. And this point of the year, three fourths of the way through, look. Before, I was scared to say it, and maybe I might just jinx it for March, but I think this team has been the best at inbounding ever. <laughs> so that's a plus. And it's great to see them also cut down on turnovers and have one of the lowest turnover rates. That's been pretty good. However, mm-hmm. the defense, it's come at the cost of defensive consistency. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's the deal they made with the devil. Oh, you want to finally inbound? Oh, too bad you're going <laughs> to be horrific in every other category you've been good in for the past five, six years. No, <laughs> that's the that's the game you want to play, I guess. Last one from Jerry is: if you could have one senior take advantage of the extra year and come back next year, who is it and why? You go first for this one. So we really got three options, and it's Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, and DCR. If there's one senior, I mean, of the three, you know, I would hope that DCR comes back and gets his redemption year and actually gets to end his college career on a right note, on a positive note. I'm sure sitting out this year has got to be killing him, especially knowing this team could use some front court depth. But if Jeremiah Robinson Earl is really going to go to the NBA draft, as much as I like Colin this year, and as much as I like big game Jermaine post-COVID break, I would say it would probably have to be DCR in order to bridge that transition 
in the front court and also just kind of be that veteran presence to teach younger guys like Trey Patterson or Nana Joku when he comes next year and help kind of, you know, give them that foundation and kind of set the tone in the front court. So I guess out of the three, at first I thought, you know, it was like no brainer Colin, but then as I kind of thought about it more, probably it to be DCR. Good pick. Good pick. I like your reasoning behind it. Didn't think you were going to go that direction. I didn't think I was going to go that direction too. But then I, when I kind of listed out the candidates or the options we have here, I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, mm. gar- you know, guards in Villanova, they they come and go. But they do. the front court, especially if JRE is going to leave, might need definitely going to need some help or definitely going to need some guidance. Yeah, I, I'd happen to agree there. At least some depth in that position for sure senior leadership and all that. Before I get to my answer, I just also want to highlight one other guy that falls into that big leap category that I completely forgot about. And I don't know how I did. Uh, Sadiq Bey. Very good player, as we all know. Team's oh. missing him right now. Oh, yeah. He he, a, he his big leap came in the middle of the season, and then he catapulted himself to the NBA draft conversation. Yeah. Borderline lottery pick. Was he a lottery pick? I, don't, I think he just fell out of the lottery. But yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he just fell outside. Either way. Uh, but yeah, I think so you went DCR, so obviously it comes down to Colin and Jermaine for me. And Eugene, I'm kind of thinking along the same lines as you. I I want that front court depth, and it just seems that the guard play is always there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jermaine. I I <laughs> I really want to just see the dude back. One of one of my favorite players of the past couple of years. So I wanna I wanna see his rim rocking dunks, wanna see him flying all over the place again. Uh, and I think it would probably benefit him most to kind of come back and maybe potentially level out his game. But at the same time, I don't know anymore. seems like he's kind of flatlined in terms of development, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be, definitely be a tricky question. There's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to need to be made after the season. I know that a few senior guards out there in the college basketball landscape have already declared whether or not they're going to say, they're going to come back. Like, I know Butler's Bo Hodges said he's coming back. But then you look over in, in the Big Five, over at St. Joe's, Ryan Daly already said he's going to leave and go pro no matter what happens. So a lot of decisions are going to be made. Some people already made theirs. So far, no one on Nova's side has made an official announcement or an official move yet. I, to me, I'd say that's probably a smart move just because you don't know what's going to happen. This is just such a huge month. And not only because it's a big tournament, but, you know, your your stock or your pro stock can change over just with a couple of games this month. You never know. And we've seen it many, many times. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. We are on a bunch of different platforms from Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, Stitcher, Podbean. You got many, many options. Please check back, check off at viewhoops.com. We are just going to be pumping out content. We're going to have a preview that's already up from Dan Casillo. Bridget Highland is going to be covering the game tomorrow night. It's going to be a big one, senior night. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, the Cats can get back on track. So follow View Hoops on social media for those updates. We're on Twitter and Instagram at View Hoops, or you can like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And I'm Chris Danziel. I got nothing to promote. Just stay safe, everybody. Nova Nation, tough one on Sunday. Hopefully we can get back on track tomorrow night, get some revenge over those Blue Jays. 
and then we'll see what happens. But we're coming down the home stretch. We're coming closer to the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament. And as tough as that Butler game was, when you kind of woke up the next day and it was already March, couldn't help but feel pretty good about that. Couldn't help but get a little pumped. So take care. Have a good one. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Hopefully we get a good result, and we'll be talking about that on Thursday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.